sports is a meritocracy. If you can do the job, if you have the skills to do it, then you're going to get out there and do it. Whether you went to a trade school or you didn't go to any school or you went to a four-year college or whatever, if you can prove you can do it, you're going to get the opportunity. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. So I got to say, I am pretty lucky because last week I got to travel to Ohio State, the Ohio State University, the Sport and Society Initiative led by my friend, Dr. Nicole Kraft at Ohio State asked me to come and be their their keynote speaker for an event they were doing uh, about working in the sports industry. And there was about 150, I think, students there. I didn't count everybody, but there were uh, networking events, there were resume reviews or mock interviews. There was a great panel of speakers. So I did the networking session. Then I also did the last final hour closing keynote. And the students were so smart, had so many great questions. I really enjoy those kind of opportunities to jump in front. And what was really cool too is that we're there at Ohio Stadium and it's this great room and you're looking out over, you know, the Buckeye and the Big O and knowing where they dot the I. It was it was really cool. So for everybody listening from Ohio State, thank you for having me. It was great meeting so many of you. I love having those opportunities. I also recognize, despite being a pretty seasoned speaker and presenter for many, many years now, I still talk way too fast when I get excited. Nicole was asking questions, students were asking questions, and I'd start getting into things and I could feel myself going really fast. And I process quickly and like to throw things out there. And I'm telling you, if I had some media training guru, like my friend Steve Boonin, who used to work at ESPN, uh, get their hands on me, I'm telling you, lesson number one, number two, and number three would be slow down. To which I say, audience, keep up. We're going fast. We got a lot to say. There's things we got to do. I am what I am. I talk fast. I get excited. So let's speed our way through another great question. This is from Jennifer in Alabama. Hi, Brian. I keep hearing about the importance of skills-based hiring, which sounds kind of obvious. Have skills, get hired, right? But it has to be more nuanced than that. I'm a college junior. Can you help me understand what skills-based hiring means and how we can leverage it to best prepare for the job market? Jennifer, great question. This is something we hear all the time. And at first, it used to annoy me too. I'm like, skills-based hiring? I would hope so, right? But they're actually making a direct comparison in a degree inflation and an overabundance of focus on experience. So let me dig into this and we'll explain it. Let's get into the base definition first. There are more than 17,000 active sports jobs on workinsports.com, but you only need one. Our iMatch tool will scan your resume and find the best matches for your skill set and expertise. Check out workinsports.com today to get started. Skills-based hiring is a recruitment approach that focuses on evaluating candidates based on their skills rather than on their education or past work experience. So that's like your baseline definition. It's gaining in popularity because it helps employers find qualified candidates with the necessary skills and potential to succeed in the role. It works best with entry-level and mid-career positions. You hear all that and you're still like, uh, duh, uh. hire people that have the skills to do the job. I mean, I've been saying this on this podcast for, I don't know, 10 years, it feels like, or even longer than that, even though this podcast hasn't been around that long. Uh, skills-based hiring, we hire people based on what they can do. Here's the deal, though. Not everybody works this way. 
you'd be amazed to realize that a lot of employers, especially in the early 2000s, began adding strict degree requirements to the descriptions of jobs that hadn't previously required them. So let's say entry-level jobs, they were saying you might need to have a master's or you need to have a certain level of degree program or you have to go have your MBA or whatever it may be. And there was this focus and trend towards that. And only based on experience that you have from jobs that you've done or internships that you've done and what school you went to were the biggest priorities that they were looking for as a scaled, like what, what the demands of with the job or what their priorities were for hiring. Those were top two on the list, which is really kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. Uh, we, I did this study probably 10, 15 years ago now through all the jobs that were posted on work and sports. And I did a podcast based, oh, it wasn't that long ago then. It was during, a, I did a podcast on it on whether or not you needed a master's degree to work in the sports industry. And we did this analysis based on how many jobs in our database said master's required. And the number wasn't massive, but there were a lot of them. And the real reason is, is because college athletics still falls into this problem. If you want to work in college athletics, you are expected to have your master's. And that's what we mean about There's skills-based hiring, and there's also hiring based on degree inflation. The importance of a degree, having this certain status, is the number one thing you need to have in order to even be considered, whether it's really necessary or not. I would argue to work in college athletics, you don't actually need to have your master's. It's nice. I'm not against having your master's. Don't get me wrong. You don't need it, though. If you had the skills to do these jobs, like, do I need my master's to be a sports information director? I'm sure it helps. I don't think it's necessary. But college athletics still says you have to have your master's in order to be considered for this job. And I mean, we can all figure out why. I mean, they're college athletic programs. They want people to go get their master's, hopefully at their university, more money for the school. And I I love colleges. I mean, they're important. I just was lauding Ohio State, but they aren't always working in a skills-based hiring environment. So when somebody says, duh, skills-based hiring, well, I mean, Here's an example where it's not primarily based on skills. It's based on do you have the right degree? So we are shifting some. We are seeing this market change towards skills-based hiring. And you have to ask yourself, is this a cyclical change or a structural change? So let me explain what I mean by that. Cyclical means, are we adjusting as an employer base, right? Are we adjusting to the current times? So let's say... There's a lot of people in the job market right now, but not a lot of jobs. Well, me as the employer, then I have leverage and I can say, I'm going to demand you have these skills, this experience, these degrees, like I can demand everything I want. So degrees and other things get emphasized more. But if you flip that around and there's less people active in the job market, but a lot of jobs, well then... I'm competing for a smaller amount of talent out there and degrees maybe get de-emphasized or experience gets de-emphasized. So we lean towards skills-based hiring. So you ask yourself, is that what we're dealing with right now? Is it just cyclical based on the way the the hiring uh, temperature is going right now or the environment is going? Or on the flip side, structural. Structural change would be employers have realized that when we leverage and focus in on skills-based hiring methods, we get better employees who stick around longer contribute more, ramp up faster, are more engaged, whatever, and that this is how we're going to do business from here on out. So I don't have that answer necessarily, but we have some things pointing us in the right direction. 
So initially after COVID, there was a transition to skills-based hiring in a pretty hardcore way. And this was kind of seen as, as being cyclical. Think about it. There was this, nobody was hiring period of time. Then everybody needed to hire to start to fill these roles back in. You were competing for talent. You had to lower the bar on what you were willing to expect. And so people said, I'm going to hire you if you can do this job. I don't have any leverage for hiring. I need people in my role and I don't want to have to compete with everybody else out there. And I don't want to be too tough in what I'm looking for. Just if you can do this job, I'm going to hire you. Well, now we're a couple of years past that. And the, we're really still in a pretty tight labor market. So I did a little bit of research because that's what I'm known to do. There are 9.5 million job openings in the US right now, but only 6.5 million unemployed workers. So 9.5 million job openings, not just sports industry, I'm saying in all of them, 9.5 million job openings, 6.5 million unemployed workers. So you you do the math. Where Who has the leverage on this? Well, the leverage is on the side of the the candidates, the unemployed workers. There's more opportunities out there than there are you. So now if you're an employer, you have to say, I can't demand too much. I need to fill these roles. There's, I'm competing against other, other jobs out there. If I'm asking for too much and they can't deliver on that, then I'm going to miss out on good people. So I'm still going to just focus in on skills-based hiring. So right now, it still feels like you could make the argument this is a cyclical change and it could revert back in time. But what you hope is happening is that employers are doing the work and saying, you know what? This methodology is better. We're getting better employees. We're they're sticking around longer. We're having greater contribution levels. And that's that's got value to it. Overarchingly, as I always like to say, sports, I think, is ahead of the curve on this and has always been leaning towards skills-based hiring, except for the college athletics example I gave. A lot of people in the industry that are that are working with associate's degrees, they didn't even have a college degree or they have a four-year program or they have a master's, but all types. Because I believe sports is a meritocracy. If you can do the job, if you have the skills to do it, then you're going to get out there and do it. Whether you went to a trade school or you didn't go to any school or you went to four-year college or whatever, if you can prove you can do it, you're going to get the opportunity. Now, I want to be really clear here. College is still extremely valuable because I don't want you to come out of this thinking, well, great, I don't need to get a degree then because it's not that essential as long as I have the right skills profile. Well, that's true. That might help you get the first job. But going to college, getting a well-rounded education, learning the business principles raises your ceiling, lets you go further. Like my first job was as a video editor, right? I was hired because I had the right skills to run the equipment that they needed. But my career has grown because I had all those other pieces of knowledge that would allow me to grow and improve and contribute more to the organization. So college raises your ceiling but you need to still focus in on just making sure you have those skills to be marketable. And if you don't go to college, you can still get those jobs if you have the right skills that match the marketplace. So that's a really long way of getting into this. But um, our, our hope is, is that people who are you leveraging skills-based hiring and making that the focus are really finding out, I, got, I, did a, hey, I did more research, people. So four major things that are the benefits of skill base, skills-based hiring in my point of view. Quality of hire right? Expanding your talent pool. This is from the perspective of an employer right now, reducing bias and improving retention. So here's the data here, quality of hire. LinkedIn did some studies on this and they found that employers who find talent leveraging skills data are 60% more likely to make a successful hire. 
than those who don't rely on skills as part of their hiring process. So you're going to get a better quality hire. You expand your talent pool. If you focus in on skills-based hiring, you can identify candidates who may not or may not have a formal education or traditional career path, but have the right mix of skills for your specific job. You, you might find somebody who their only experience was in selling some other widget or product and you've never worked in the sports industry, for example, but they have the right skill set and they can bring that to your sales organization. You can reduce bias. Skills-based hiring focuses on objective criteria. Can you do these things that are more relevant to the job than your socioeconomic status or where you were raised or any of these other things? You reduce that unconscious bias by focusing in on skills and you improve retention. Think about this for a second. If I am zeroing in on hiring you for a skill that you have, that means that you are well-matched to this job. And if you are well-matched to this job, you're more likely to be happy and stick around and have a sense of belonging. So these are all things that should be leaning employers towards focusing in on skills-based hiring and why it should matter to you. But now let's pivot to how you actually prep for this. So there's a couple major things you need to do in order to be prepared for this. One, prepare for assessment tests. If there are certain standards within whatever side of the organization or, or the industry you want to pursue, make sure you are ready to ha pass an assessment test. They are going to not just take your word for it on your resume that you know nonlinear editing or you've used Salesforce or you've used these various tools that are necessary for this job. They are going to test you on them. So be prepared for that. There are online tests for a lot of these platforms. You can start to make sure your skills are up to snuff. You can get certifications and just be ready for that being part of your process as an, in an assessment test of some type. Additionally, even kind of before the assessment test concern, you have to identify what those needs are. You have to identify those market trends. And what I mean by that is something we've talked about a lot on this show. Go research jobs. Look at the job descriptions that interest you. Write down the skills that they're saying they want for this job. Evaluate yourself whether you have them or not. It's a pretty simple plan. You do that, you're going to know what market demand is, then you're going to prepare yourself to demonstrate these skills in your interview process, in any assessment tests, in what's needed to be, in order to be considered for this job. And then uh, leveraging uh, certifications, you know, take online courses, get a certificate from a reputable source, have that as part of your brand and portfolio. So do your own self-assessments too. You can take these tests, you can assess your own skill level and your various required areas, identifying these things, be ready to tell stories on how you've leveraged these tools or what you've done with these tools in order to prove that your skills are transferable to another role, develop and continue to work on that and prepare for those skills-based assessments. And then the next thing, the last part of that I'll mention on this are your materials. In your resume and cover letter, tailor it to highlight the relevant skills and experiences and how they all fit together. Provide concrete examples. Give me a story of how you leverage these skills to achieve success. You know, let, hook me with something. Create a portfolio that you can include. If you want to work in graphic design, show me your work. If you want to work in research, do some research. Can include that with it. I remember interviewing Brian Killingsworth, who was a CMO for the Vegas Golden Knights years ago. And he used to talk about how um, he had somebody apply for a job who included an entire research and, analy and analytics report on why Vegas should invest in uh, esports. 
And he's like, I'll never forget that person. And then finally, uh, in part of your process is, is your networking, engaging in, in networking opportunities to connect with professionals in the field, understand and seek guidance from them on what skills are most important so that you can then bring this back to how you gather and acquire more information, knowledge, and skills. So skills-based hiring, I believe, is starting to look like it's a structural change. Is it just going to be the way that business is being done? And if you start to focus in on the combination of all of these things, you get the good degree, you get the experience, you leverage in all these tangible skills. So each one of them can't sustain on their own. Like it's not good enough to just have a degree. It's not really super high level career that is just focused on certain skills. And it's not just enough to have experience. If you combine all those things, you become the most powerful possible applicant. You've covered all your bases and you've shown an organization that you have the high ceiling from an education. You have the skills to contribute right away and you have the experience to know how to operate within a work culture and environment. And that makes you the most powerful person. So I think overall skills-based hiring is a very good thing for all of us employers and job seekers. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you again, Jennifer, for a great question. Thank you, Ohio State, for having me on campus. Cool first visit for me. And I will see you all next week.